for that sweet spot with all our heart. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our new voice, where we're going to make a choice by listening to each other's hearts, finding a way that we all agree to grow a new foundation for our family. So today we have a young man in his 40s, early 40s, Lee, going to share his perspective with us today. Hi, Lee. Hi, Madeline. How are you doing? Great, great. Thanks for coming. Happy to have your, your voice here. It's my pleasure. How was it that you felt informed about your gender, being uh, however you call yourself, you know, boy, we, gay, we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, just to clarify, I identify as a man. Uh, that's my identity. I, I like that identity, and I don't shy away from it. Um, unlike some that have uh, recently awoken, I'm... I'm not ambiguous about that. Um, and, and, you know, in the first, my first memories about being a boy and being, you know, acculturated, I guess, to what um, what a boy is would be the phrase, walk it off. I remember my parents and my, well, I don't know, I'm not sure about my mom so much, but my dad, I remember his brothers, he had brothers telling me to walk it off. Um, you know, they would put me in sports. So, I mean, first, just playing sports at gatherings and barbecues and then signing me up for sports. So, so that, you know, that tells the listener that that was a necessary part of, of being a boy was to play sports. Um, but then when you're in there and you suffer something, suffer some pain, you fall, you hit your knee or some other injury, they would just tell me to walk it off, which, um, you know, I interpret now as just a slightly kinder way of saying, ignore it, you know, ignore it. You have to endure it. I don't know. That's like the first thing that comes to mind as far as, you know, the way I was instructed to be a boy, to grow up to be a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that walk it off thing. I can definitely identify, you know, I think that was a message that came from the men around me and some of the way my masculine persists is, just to kind of keep going, but where does it go? You know, and you keep it all in there. How does that show yeah. up? So what did you notice from living that model? You know, I noticed that, um, you know, when you're a kid, you don't have perspective on, on these things. You, you only know what you're told. It's only in reflection in the recent years that I've, that I'm like able to articulate some of these ideas, but um, what I noticed is it was my job to like be a soldier, to endure, to do what needed to be done for the family. Um, you know, one story comes to mind where my brother, my brother is also a strong man and he's similar to me in a lot of ways, but I remember an instance where he was wanting to stay home from school he felt sick or at least he was claiming to be sick you know what i assume he was sick why would i why would i doubt him 
<laughs> like 30, 38 years later. But, and my mom, and I, and I just remember sort of standing in opposition to that and telling my mom, I was okay, I can go to school. And I just got so much praise for that, you know, from her. Like, wow, what a, what a tough boy you are. You want, you're able to go to school even when you're sick or even when you have a fever. And that really, that really motivated me. That really like indicated to me, which like how she wanted me to behave. You know, it's interesting. I just had a crazy flash as you were speaking that how it's like, um, a mother or the women like cheerleading for the men to go out to fight. But then thinking about at what cost it is mm. man leaves the safety of his heart and goes out to kill, like whether, you know, that's mm. a dramatic war, but you know, to go out and be something less than the kind hearted, sweet. I mean, little boys are sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, that's like a larger subject of, of, Oh yeah. I might've gone on a tangent. Keep going. No, you can't, but I'm saying a larger subject of either delegating or outsourcing certain unpleasant tasks. And if we're going to talk in broad strokes and stereotypes, I, I think men have played that role of, yeah, you go out and you go, go out and kill dinner. And if that means you get too torn up by a saber toothed tiger, then, that's unfortunate, but that's your role as a guy. Hey, go out there and, and hunt and get dinner and like be the provider, be the provider. And like, Hey, let's make the caves. This is so like barbaric, I guess. I'm sure people could be offended by what I'm about to say, but go out and provide and make sure we're going to make sure our cave is safe, but we can't eat what's in, there's nothing in the cave right now. So you got to go out and kill it. And that's been the men's role for a long time. And, uh, you know, both genders have tremendous, provided tremendous sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But I think in broad strokes that happened to be the men's one is go out there. And if the man suffered trauma in trying to get that saber-toothed tiger, then it's unfortunate, but that is what it is, you know. Or he'll turn it into a story, right? Because I think that's one of the things people do with trauma. I think I know that it gets caught in our bodies and memory and things like that. But I also know that it's how we tell the story over and over as well. So sometimes a guy will live through that. Because I've seen guys at the bar tell those kind of stories. And I can tell that they were really scared out of their mind. But they're like trying to tell it like it's funny, like they're laughing at themselves. And there's no compassion being for the little innocent part of them that their mom can see when she looks at them being like, holy shit, I'm so scared. Like that part doesn't mm -hmm. even get a voice, right? Because it becomes like some mockery or some like talking about somebody else to kind of acknowledge a little bit of vulnerability. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think you and I were speaking recently about just like dis disowned emotions. And I was sharing my experience that most men cannot admit to being scared. Some men will admit to being concerned about a situation which in some respects is the exact same thing but they won't say i'm scared if you say what are you afraid of i'm not, nothing i'm not afraid of anything but if you say what are you concerned about they're concerned about a whole lot and so it's like one of the things i've been thinking about in my gr growth my journey is that you know and i could be wrong like we i'm always open for new perspectives but I'm not all about disowned emotions. Like I don't want to disown my emotions anymore. I don't want to, somebody says, what are you afraid of? I don't want to be like nothing. I don't want to be so hard that on the surface that I can't 
acknowledge things that I'm worried about and and feelings that I have for other people, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. I think it's a healthy uh, appetite to be get more comfortable with that because yeah. without that shared vulnerability or an awareness of the other person, it's kind of like two puppets interacting with their defense mechanism. Right. Yeah. I think that's, I think we, we played that out to nauseam in our codependent addict stories that we've all been living in. I'd say that we gave them a good run and we ought to switch it out. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The, um, the cycle of abuse that it created was not, I'm not impressed and I don't want to live through any more of it personally. Yeah, it doesn't so have to be that way. Your awareness of the value of being able to articulate the normalcy of the nuances of life. You know, I think the mind really likes the idea of grabbing something and building a whole world on it that makes it feel safe. But the only way to be safe is to know how to manage your vulnerability to being connected to the everything. Yeah. And that includes everything. So nice, Preston. Anything else you want to say about the being informed about your gender before we go to the next question? Um, no, I think we're good to go. I think we're good. All right, all right. So the next question is, how were you kind of like more informed or, or become more aware of yourself through relationships? Like what did relationships create in your awareness? Well, so as I was coming up and, and beginning – opposite sex relationships is somewhat later than many people. Um, 17, 18, that would be the earliest. Um, and then probably after college around 21, 22 would be when I had a, like a real legitimate relationship. Um, I took the posture of, of, uh, I have to be strong just like my previous account of being a boy and, walking it off. Uh, mm -hmm. I had to be strong. Male, males are supposed to be the leaders of the family of the relationship. And, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. That took, there was kind of a, I, I've, I've changed my views and my stance since then, but that in retrospect felt like a heavy burden. Like, like, what did that create? Like, I mean, sometimes in the formula that was the old soup, the guy who's willing to be so strong and so good, sometimes when they get into a relationship, they end up having to take care of more than they want to take care of. Did that kind of stuff happen to you? Um, I'm trying to think about taking care of too much. It was, it was more of a posture of, I think my whole orientation towards life prior to even like, you know, leading up to those first relationships was, was a warlike posture. It was that oh. life was a battle, a series of battles and you had allies and you had enemies and you had to be strong. You had to show that you were trustworthy to your allies. You had to show that you were strong to your enemies. Mm. And when I was started to, you know, participate in, in relationships, it was like, okay, I'm the sergeant and you're the private and uh, maybe I'll ask your opinion, but if we disagree, a choice has to be made and I'm the sergeant. So that's the way it's going to be. Mm. And, and I, you know, I, I think the result of that is I attracted people or retained people. Let's say like, you know, I, I'm sure I met a bunch of 
women and or just were known to women and some of them uh, were not, you know, I'm sure some of them just flitter, floated away to some other person because they could see that vibe and they didn't like that vibe, but it was a vibe of um, if there's got to be a choice to be made, if there's disagreement, I'm going to settle the disagreement. So I think I, I attracted a woman that, that, that appealed to, and there are certain things that are entered that correlate with that. And my, suspicion or belief is that um the type of person i attracted was somebody that frank well frank i'm i'm wildly speculating here but frankly that probably had been through some trauma that had experienced you know feelings of not being safe in their environment and they wanted a strong guy to protect them and but that that also like correlated with less than healthy but it also was you, right? It was it was the it was the mirror of you. So that's yeah. beautiful, right? Because that's one of the things that has been so magical about the design of how we've been growing out of that uh, entity that was our distorted relationships is that you would vibrate with somebody who also lost their foundation, wasn't sure what was going on, and had a different response that helped you kind of soften your response or you could get harder or learn each other. Right. So I feel like it's that way we've talked about it in our, our shared space. Like it's like you get all wrapped up in each other or you get like, fuck you go away. You know, like you get really like lost in it because you're using the relationship as a place to feel safe where that safety that we each call to and long for is in this house. Like it's within mm -hmm. Right. But when you think the relationship is going to make you safe and of course, if you come out of places where you didn't feel safe and the things that went on didn't tell you it was safe. And the more you grew up, you're like, oh, I guess it isn't safe. And then you're like, oh, I have to be the boss of everybody. What do I do with the part of me that just wants to feel safe and cuddle on the couch? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's a good way to put it is that, you know, you, you found your mirror. You know, if I was the type of person that thought that like, I don't want to say force because I was I didn't feel like every day of my relationships was I'm forcing something, but it was like okay, I'm the protector. I want to make sure we're safe. And then the other person was like, okay, well, I really want to be made to feel safe, so I can go along with that. But you know, the issue is life's not always a war, and it just and, didn't grow. And safe. at least my yeah, I'm sorry. It just didn't grow a healthy relationship. I don't, I don't think it helped my partners grow, like my earlier partners. I don't think it helped them grow or thrive. I think it kept them in a place of like... A cage. Well. Well, I mean, like, basically what I'm saying is, like, when I know that some of the men in my love stories would want to be the provider, the strong one, yeah. this or that... But that also meant yeah. that they were allowed to be all these other kind of jerky things. And that yeah. we could work around these ideas that I didn't necessarily believe in. And mm -hmm. I was ready to sustain myself. Like not that I wanted, I'd never planned to be a leaning tree. I always planned to be right. a present tree that could take care of right. herself. You know, that wasn't my ever. Like the whole time, if you knew me, no, never. Like I'm going to take care of myself. I had brothers, like cousins, not really brothers, and my father who really wanted to take care of me. But something inside me wrote to myself. So when that stronger, more dominant feeling energy comes in to try to be something, 
and I'm standing there good to go, that doesn't work, right? Because you need something that you're supposed to provide for. Now, not to say I don't need protection. I honor the men who revere me and help protect me. And, and I, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate the safety that I get to go created because of the beautiful relationships I have with men who know me and trust me and vice versa. Like I treasure them, but I don't need them to protect me. I do in a way in that they honor me, that they respect me, that, you know, that's the kind of what I'm looking for as a person. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, I think that that totally fits with what I'm saying. And that um, it sounds like you, you honor their heart in the sense that their heart wants to protect you, but you kind of reject the, reality that you need always need protecting i kind of feel like i said to somebody recently i can be the creative current because i'm made that way mm-hmm. i need you to put it together and help build it because mm-hmm. i'm not that part so what mm-hmm. about flow and current like i i bring in the creative you create this stuff we go back and forth and then it grows in other things like that feels like a more natural way for things to interact Mm-hmm. It was like if you, if you're holding me in any kind of a form or a cage, because now if I love you, and you need to be king, and I want to see you grow, I'm gonna let you be king because I want to see you grow. But then what's gonna happen to me? I'm gonna shrink back, waiting exactly between it because the king, because I can't be no queen before he's a king. Right. That's not okay. That's <laughs> true. I'm not That's true. I'm being honest about my experience. Right. So when you use that phrase cage, like, like women that were in my life were put in a cage, I hesitated. I'm sure you noticed that, but. As a cage, it's not your intention to make a cage person. It's a cage. Yes, I did feel the hesitation. No, no, no. So, so I don't really reject it. I just has, I just paused, but you know, a a different way I was thinking about it was, was that, uh, you know, for plants, if I'm growing as a plant, um, like the nutrient balance isn't the same. It's not equal. It wasn't like 50% giving and 50% taking. And I'm, and I'm inter- as interested in her growth as she is in mine. It was a little bit imbalanced in terms of, you know, just exactly what you said with kings and queens. Like if, if I'm the king, that means she can't outshine me. And I kind of want her to grow, I guess, if you ask me, but it's not really like she can't outshine me. So therefore I can't really prioritize her growth. And, you know, I've, I've evolved to a different place where I don't think about relationships like that anymore in that manner. And I don't but, think any man, they think about that like consciously, like in a vicious way. I think it's just, right. you want to feel strong. And so when you come into something that's so strong and you want to feel like the strong part, that kind of ups you to got to be pretty strong. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're a little too strong, that doesn't mean authentic, right? That means strong. True. And when I'm I'm looking for authentic, this particular cat, but you know what I mean? Right, right. That's what's strong is when you know the person's real and you can trust them no matter who's looking. That's what's up right there. And if you come in as a female, really strong, a little too strong, well, that's that's a little bit of an incentive for me to kind of manufacture an argument or manufacture a a gripe or a complaint is to just to nibble at your heels a little bit and I was, I was down a peg. Yeah. I was at a ceremony one time, like, 
and as much as you know i know that i present strong you know i know my own sweetness and my vulnerability so i don't always think of myself as as strong as i am you know i was at this gathering and this man came up to me you know after you know somewhat of a everybody getting to know each other and he says it's going to be such a challenge for you to ever be loved by a man and i said mm. oh, that's nice to say thank you and he's <laughs> He says, no, it's so hard for a man to love a woman as strong as you. Mm -hmm. Like it's such, and he goes, and I'm sorry. Like he was apologizing. He's like, I'm sorry for that. You're so radiant in who you are. And I said, well, I'm going to change the prayer that there is somebody out there to love me the way I am, but I hear you. Right. And I've been in those waters for a minute and I know what you're talking about. And uh, I'm doing my best to stay who I am regardless of the response to my strength. Mm -hmm. yeah but, yeah but it was definitely a, a tender you know I, on that moment i came home all like no one's gonna love me but i got through it you know you just take those things, <laughs> like it was almost like one of those things like walk it off like he said it and i like said what yeah. i was gonna say back then i walked it off and as i got there i was like eh. you know I was like, I yeah. but yeah. such is life wonderful so then i think we really worked at that relationship stuff pretty good do you think there's more on relationships and how you learned about yourself as a person anything else you want to say about that like about being a father or anything like that um you know as a father i it, it was just um it was more of the same it was like hey if the decision's got to be made it has to be me i think i shared with you recently that you know i had these different waves of like of awakening and i come out of my conditioning and I, and I sort of sought out the opposite. I sought out a, a healer like yourself who happened to be female. And I, and I sort of just considered the opposite position, but then I also went back to the, like back with forgiveness to my father's or my fatherly figures and, and, and came up with an appreciation for why they did what they did you know, because they were trying to make me strong enough to face the world. I really and, love um, that part about you, Lee. I love the way you um, really have since the moment considered the masculine's process so uh, compassionately because it's mm -hmm. helped me, you know, having the sons and been, you know, in relationships a few times, like I've grown a great compassion as well. Like I don't feel mad at the boys for their ways. I just pray for their clarity to grow holy and learn that we're here to come together and collaborate and that competition is really only with yourself. That's the only competition. If you want to do something and push yourself with that way, you go right ahead. But our ability mm -hmm. to collaborate, that's how we everybody wins, yeah? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm moving more into that as, as I go. So, but it is what it is until we get there. And somebody said to me today when I was sharing some of my thoughts and philosophies, he says, Madeline, it's so beautiful, but you know that's not going to happen for 500 years. I said, well, I think we're on a little bit of an accelerated course, but I understand it may not happen. <laughs> but I would like to lay down some tracks for the possibility. Mm -hmm. And if I get to taste it, that'd be great too. Yeah, get to taste it, create your own little universe where you, you that can be maintained, you know? Yeah, something maintainable that just vibrates that allows others to just imagine the possibility. That's all. Just consider it like you consider all that other shit. Mm -hmm. You know, people just push it away like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We got to think about what's going on. There's problems. Like, we're all in fear. It's like a distortion of life through a lens of fear. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, like we said early on, those lenses aren't even our own lenses. They're the ones that we got taught by watching the big monkeys and learning what we were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. 
We imitate by design. Mm-hmm. People change around each other all the time. You know, let me share one more thing about kids, though, because you asked me about my son and um, something I just recently considered or, or reconsidered was I had this belief that we have to, and I would joke, and I would say this in a joking manner, but I think there was some truth to it, that parent, it's parents versus kids, and parents need to win all the battles. And, uh, you know, do I need to do my homework tonight? Do I need to wake up at this, this time? Or can I have extra snack? Or whatever the conflict is between a kid and a parent. And that we always have to win. And uh, I think that's just a, just that's like a remnant of the earlier um, manifestation of, of the stories I just told you about when I was a little kid and how, how you're supposed to become a man. But I've been recently reconsidering it, you know, if people are just an extension of the natural world, uh, similar to a, a tree or a different type of plant, well, it's my job to make sure my son grows from an acorn into a tree. And does that really mean I have to win every battle? Yeah. I don't think it does. I don't think it means I have to win every battle, but I think it means I have to be strong enough for him to to lean on when the wind blows, you know? Yeah, when, and the wind blows is a great reference because that's the mind, right? Because that's what makes the thoughts. The thoughts create that sense of battle and that wind, mm-hmm. right? Because of the feeling of control you get, you know, from that <laughs> time, you know, like, because, you know, I never miss an opportunity to want to, you know, talk on the trees. But, um, I remember when my sisters were choosing to bring their children through the church, the Catholic church, and I wasn't mm-hmm. um, comfortable doing that, but I was really appreciating the, the rite of passage that they were getting to kind of put into their bodies, you know, and mm-hmm. like really understand that like they need to grow God, grow with God, you know, that was the whole thing. And so I wanted to do something that I thought would help Tristan and Cole grow into what I thought would help them feel like God too, or know that they had something unique inside them that wanted to grow, that was up to them to grow, that I could only make them safe for so long. It was important they made a connection that would help them grow. So mm-hmm. we went into the woods and we got an acorn seed because Tristan and Cole are definitely big oaks. There are no, there are no small trees. And, um, mm-hmm. I gave them their own seeds. I gave them their seeds and I explained to them that their seed was from them to grow. And it was important that they able to articulate themselves and what their needs were. You know, they were like eight or so or some nine, like whenever you get at the church, something like that. And um, mm-hmm. it was really cute. Like they were playful about it. We made it silly, you know, and Tristan stood on a rock and I handed him his seed and it was, <laughs> it was really mm-hmm. fun. But it was the same idea what you're talking about that like, learning how to sustain yourself and communicate for yourself. Like I think the greatest gift we can give our children is their voices, right? So Mm -hmm. they have the ability to let you know what it is to be them because, you know, they take our projections for so much of their lives, you know? And so there's definitely a, you know, by nature in the stages and ages in Erickson, like they're meant to individuate, you know, that's the sign of this, of this, you know, this thing we are, the species that we are. So it needs to individuate into its own form. Like that small tree has to get enough room to be the size tree it is. So maybe it can't stay right next to you because it's a big tree too. Right. Right. And so that's one of the parts of parenting where it's like, they're really only yours for part of time and they're always in your heart, but they're meant to grow their own divine, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, your son or your well, we both have sons, so um your kids or your sons can't grow healthy if if the dad has taken the position of a strong dad and he's made to believe that he's supposed to win every battle. You know? That's gonna be a trick because my mission, obviously, since God gave me two husbands and two boys with each one, there was definitely something about the masculine to some degree. And that's been a real thing is not becoming the bridge between the father and the sons, like helping the sons learn to communicate with their fathers, that they find a shared way to have uh, opinions and, and stuff in the space, you know, because if the father comes in and just wants to dominate, it is going to bring a certain response from the sons. So there, mm -hmm. there's a need to be aware of that. But I got to the point, thankfully, through the older boys, and they were helpful to teach me this. By the time a boy hits 12 or 13, my job as a mom, I've done everything I can other than love and accept them and make clear lines for myself. Because mm -hmm. at this point, it's the other men that they're going to look to. They're not going to look to their mothers because they're not looking right. at their mother. Right. Makes sense. Because they're not looking to be a mom. Yeah, that's going to be in their game board. Right. So that's not even where you're looking for clues. Mm -hmm. You're just wondering how to deal with it so that you, you're nice to it, but it doesn't bother you. Right. Which is fine. You know, that's fair. That's appropriate for the stages from which it comes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank you. This is the first time we really got into that kind of stuff. So thanks. Those are so some interesting topics to bring into our collective conversation. Yeah. Okay, well, so anything else on the, uh, what we learned through relationships? I think we're good. Very good. So the last part of today's uh, shares is how do you come to know your truth? Like, how do you discern? I love the way you ask questions because you, you ask them in a way that I don't get in normal life. I think it's such a, you just, if you look at news, if you look at normal media, have normal conversations, you don't get questions that are that broad. How do I, how do I find my truth? Is that, yeah, like, I mean, you know, so like you got a decision to make or you're doing something like how do you discern for yourself? I mean, like some people pray, some people go to God, some people meditate. Like, you know, how do you refine yeah. yourself to your own clarity? You know, it can be said so many ways, but that's the gist. Yeah. Well, so in my life, I, I've gone through several different, I've tried on different hats. I've been through, I happen to be a Lutheran church. I, I've been to a Catholic church a handful of times, which are similar to one another. Um, and I tried on different hats with different faiths and different um, mindsets. And um, I, what's speaking to me now is this idea that, um, A, that it's important to find out my truth and who I am in my own voice, because that's all there is. You know, that's all there is. I think there's a lie that says like, Oh my God, I'm just one person. I can't do anything. Um, but that's all there is though. I mean, our world consists of, you know, it happens to be billions of individuals who each have one voice and you know, the, 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 the mindset that I'm in now is or that one, one lens is like, everything is empowerment or disempowerment and there's voices out there in the world that, that are either empowering to you or disempowering to you. And the posture that I'm taking is that, um, 
yes, I'm one voice, but um, my voice means something and that I, I need to listen to it and tune into my voice, tune into the feelings I get in my body that I, that I have come to call anxiety or tension um, or anger and, and listen to it and just be truthful to it and be honest with, with what I'm feeling and I don't disown any emotions. And so, I, and I'm, and I'm not at the end of my journey. So I've come a long way. I think I've grown and I've listened to myself more, but I'm open to hearing what my body tells me and what my heart tells me today and tomorrow and the next day. And, and, and regarding the way I view things now as empowerment versus disempowerment, I look at all the different versions of spirituality that I've come to know, whether it's Lutheran, it's Catholic, it's, you know, I've, put the atheist hat on or agnostic hat on. And I just think like, is this empowering me or disempowering me? Because I, I believe that other humans are out there that want to promote, uh, frankly, disempowering messages. Because if you disempower me and I hand over my sovereignty to you as my leader, then, then that's empowering you. You know, at the same time you're disempowering me, you're empowering yourself through the disempowerment of other people. And so I just, I'm going to apply that lens to everybody is if I go to a church, you mentioned the Catholic church. And I happen to think that although I'm sure there's tons of good individuals in the church, that that particular body disempowers members in order to empower the, the organization. And that's, that's the way I view things. And, it's just listen to that voice that I'm a sovereign individual and you know, God or a higher power or source energy has put certain things in me like eyes, like the sense of vision and, and, and frankly, my heart too, like my heart towards good, like interacting with people in a very, like in a way that speaks to my heart. That's a superpower too that, that I think we all have from, from this, the source energy of the universe and like that that's everything like don't i don't want anybody that's listening that's on the fence and they're particular you know they're 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 a student or they're a disciple of a of a religion just i think that speaks to my heart are you you're a sovereign individual just like me and don't give up don't hand over your sovereignty to a to a leader you can consult with doctors and lawyers and whoever other experts in specific areas, but don't hand over your mind and your heart to, um, to any body that looks to, that seeks to empower itself over, over an individual. And we, and we could sit on that for a week <laughs> or over a campfire all night long, but that's, you know, that's where I'll leave it for now. That's a great place to start with a conversation. That's for darn sure. So yeah, I love that. And it takes such courage to live that way. If we want to be warriors or heroes of our life, that's where the courage takes hold. And I know I'm, I'm a human being that people seem to really uh, appreciate uh, my, my vibe or something. And I like that they feel safe. But when I see somebody who's around me get their own voice and come back at me and say what they want, I know that I'm in right relation. Yes. I'm not looking for anyone to make me their foundation. I'm looking for them to build the foundation and be part of the cultivation of their soil for their own soul to grow. Yeah. Because 
then everybody's here together, like shared leadership, you know, and coming together because it might be corny, but it makes the most sense because all those attempts to feel safe were people making little pockets. And now the awareness is so great that we're all in this together. Obviously, it doesn't matter what you are or where you live. Like you matter too. You like we're all the gold. We all have a purpose in this oneness. So appreciate that possibility and, and give reverence to that. Yep, and that's a great gift you've given me is that um, your assistance in helping me heal and grow and setting the example of this is how we go come into right relation with each other, like the phrase you just said, by you just sitting there with me and, and I could see your roots in the ground, I could see your leaves and the fruits, you know, of your of your being and, and you're just next to me. And not trying to change me and not trying to pull it my trunk and get me to grow faster. And you're just there. And then eventually I said, Oh, that helped me get a greater level of understanding, you know, and then I could tell that you're not um, trying to empower yourself by disempowering me. And that's frankly, that's everything, you know, that's the, I think that's the best we can do. We can't pull at each other's trunks and make us the other guy grow faster, but you could just, you know, be yourself as a sovereign individual and set an example about how you relate to other people. And that's a, you know, that's a great gift and I appreciate you for it. I thank you for it before and I'll do it again here, you know, on the podcast. You know, one of the ways I got free from my depression and anxiety was through the trees and I decided to become the biggest tree I can be and make my own roots and connect that way because it made the most sense to get me healthy again because I was lost in the sauce, you know? So I need mm-hmm. to find a way to uh, get a foundation where it wasn't up to somebody else if I was okay or not. So I'm right. grateful that others see that as helpful. And I always say when, when I'm talking to parents, it's like the best way to grow strong trees is to be one. Yeah. You know, and the more clear and strong you are, the more your children will have that possibility in their choices. Yeah. So may we all grow as clear and as strong as we can. And I really appreciate your time today. I appreciate you listening and and talking to me. It was a pleasure. All right. Thank you so much. That's it for today. We'll hear from him again. Thank you. turning in all the directions, calling above and below to the space inside me that longs to glow. I call for the wisdom of my teachers and my elders and the wisest part of me. What is it that's gonna set us free? How can we find harmony in this family? Please teach me, show me the way. I know, the way will open. Where is it? Where's the vibe? Rhythm in the middle. Stay centered. Stay true. Do what you're here to do. That's what'll soothe your soul. Rhythm in the middle Rhythm in the 
Soothe our soul. Soothe our soul. 